We are officially just one week away from opening night of the college basketball season. While that in itself is exciting, however, there's something a little more exciting that's going to be going on, as a matter of fact, tonight. And that is NBA Draft Night. 60 players from around college basketball, the international basketball scene, and wherever else will hear their names called tonight on ESPN and ESPNU. And there's a very good chance we might hear several Big East names called on draft night. And I'll have that coverage and more here on this episode of the Igloo. What's up, y'all? Now, it's obviously draft night. And there are some obvious names floating around for who's going to get drafted tonight. And there are some other names that have gained a lot of traction over the months with improving their draft stock and now have a very good chance of being drafted tonight after not really having much consideration over the summer. So, who are the big names that are expected to go out of the Big East? Of course, let's start with Sadiq Bey. 6'8", small forward, a guy that you want. He has all the tools of an NBA small forward. The size at 6'8", his jump shooting ability, his ability to stop def- uh, stop on the defensive end. He, and rightfully so, is probably going to be picked in the first round. Probably mid to late. Not really sure who. I mean, it's very tough to tell. You know, I'm, I'm not a draft expert like a Ford, for example. Like, I'm not really one to say, you know, who should be taking which players, to be honest. You know, other than, you know, the top three, really. Other than that, I don't really know. So, Sadiq Bay, mid to late first round, I can definitely see that happening. Now, another guy who has first round potential and a guy that I think everybody knows is going to get drafted tonight is Paul Reed, former guest of mine on the Igloo, from DePaul. This is going to be the first time in a while that DePaul is going to have an NBA draft pick. Pretty sure this is going to be the first time since Wilson Chandler back in 2007. This is a guy at six foot nine, at a, the power forward position, rebounds tremendously, expanded his game beyond the arc. He's going to obviously have to learn how to shoot NBA range threes, because he hit them at the college level for sure, not at a high level, but he still could knock down three-point shots in college. However, if he can expand his range, you know, stepping back a few more feet, that'll make him a really solid pro. And I would see him going late first round, 
at worst, early second round. Now, those are the two obvious picks out of the Big East. Here are two dark horses that I've been hearing nothing but good things about and that have been picking up steam over the past few months. Those two names, first off, a guy that I questioned if he should have left Creighton or not. But Matt DeMarinas, he made some good sense of as to why he left early. Tyshawn Alexander. Take a look at his profile. Six foot four shooting guard. A solid shooter. A tremendous defender. On and off the ball. You know, he has a lot of tools that NBA scouts want. And I was kind of surprised to see the NBA, uh, NBC Sports mock draft having him picked in the early second round. And honestly, I didn't even think he was going to hear his name called, if I was being totally honest with you. But I think he's a definite second round pick. As much as I can see him being a late first rounder, potentially, kind of like what we saw with Kyrie Thomas in 2018... I don't know if I see that happening with Tyshawn. And that's just kind of the way I see things. It's tough. But, I mean, you know, after reading up more, I really do believe he's going to be picked. Another guy that has been garnering a lot of positive reviews Najee Marshall from Xavier, another guy who I kind of question, like, why is he leaving early? I feel like he still had a lot left to prove at Xavier. But I feel like he must have been in the same boat as Tyshawn Alexander with not really needing much left to prove. And not really having much of a chance to drastically improve his draft stock. So... He's in the same territory being a second round pick. Probably a I would say early at the very like between 31 and 40 is the best case scenario, but I see him more in that 40 to 45 range. This is a guy 6 foot 7, could play small or power forward. I think he got some things to work on with with his jump shot. I mean, he's got the range, don't get me wrong, but he's got a bit of a slow release. And I, I think that could come back to hurt him in the NBA. It's crazy to think that he has become a better pro- prospect than a guy who was a senior when Najee was just a freshman at Xavier, Trayvon Blewett. So Najee, I can definitely see him being that 40 to 45 range, um, you know, being picked in the second round. Now, guys that I was kind of surprised to see even on big boards, and these are big men, Omer Yurtseven from Georgetown, Tyreek Jones from Xavier. Now, with Yurtseven, seven-footer from Turkey, He's got a lot of NBA 
qualities to his game. He's got a tremendous post game. The only thing is, I'm worried about his health because he did struggle to maintain it at the end of last season. I don't know. I just don't see him being picked tonight. I, I was just really shocked to see him, you know, being on some big boards. You know, I don't get me wrong. I think he's a really good player, but I just don't see him being picked as one of the 60 guys to hear his name on draft night. And the same goes with Tyreek Jones. The way I see him, it's like another version of Angel Delgado, but way more buff. He doesn't have the same rebounding prowess as Delgado, but he has the strength. But like Delgado, he really doesn't have much outside of his post game. He doesn't really have a mid range game, which definitely hurts. And if you're an NBA scout and you see a guy like Jones who doesn't have a mid range game, you know, you're kind of you're kind of inclined to kind of look the other way. Like you don't really want a guy like him because you want someone who's going to expand the floor and Tyreek Jones simply doesn't do that. And then uh one last guy I want to talk about and a guy I'm making a case for to be picked tonight. And the guest I'm going to have on for an interview um, that I did yesterday on my show is going to continue to make that case for it too. Miles Powell from Seton Hall. And I'm going to say this in the most unbiased way I possibly can. The accolades speak for themselves. Okay? Two-time Haggerty Award winner. Jerry West Award winner is the nation's best shooting guard in college basketball. Consensus first-team All-American, Big East Player of the Year, third all-time in, in, at Seton Hall in scoring. I mean, and this guy, at, only at six foot two, he developed qualities of an NBA point guard during his senior year. You saw, actually, over his junior and senior year, his assist numbers went up. He looked more like a point guard during his senior year, specifically. Whenever Quincy McKnight would check out and Shavar Reynolds would check in, it would be Miles Powell who would run the point. And oftentimes, he would do a really good job running the point. And it was surprising, but it was a nice, pleasant surprise to see him do that. I genuinely see him being one of the last 10 picks in the draft. But with his ability to score the rock and his improved ability to distribute it, I just feel like he is so deserving of being picked. And you know what? I'm going to say the same for Marcus Howard from Marquette. I mean, why wouldn't you want a guy who just lights it up like, obviously, Marcus does it more extensively than Miles Powell. But, I mean, with both of those guys, I think if you're an NBA team, I really do believe that, you know, you got to roll the dice and take a chance on these guys. 
You know, draft them, see what they do in training camp. If they needed to go to the G League, that's okay. But they could still be a valuable asset somewhere down the line if they develop properly. And that's just honestly the way I see things. So that's my brief, but I think I went in-depth enough for this NBA draft preview with the Big East. And I think I highlighted eight guys who are in the conversation to be drafted tonight. How many do I think are going to get picked? I would say four. Four of those eight are going to get picked. Actually, as a matter of fact, I'm going to go five. I'm going to go five. But bare minimum, you're going to see three. Bare minimum, three. So that's my draft preview. But coming up next to talk briefly later on in the interview about Miles Powell, but mostly about his time not just playing at Seton Hall, but also being an associate head coach there. Joining me, the head coach of St. Peter's, Shaheen Holloway, is going to join me next for what I still think was an awesome interview. You're going to really enjoy this. So don't go anywhere. That is coming up next here on the Igloo. Welcome back inside the Igloo. Joining me now, a guy who had tremendous success in the Big East, not only as a player, but as an associate head coach at his alma mater of Seton Hall and already only in two years as now the head coach down the road at St. Peter's University in Jersey City. Had his team definitely pushing for an NCAA tournament bid this past year, and he will look to get them in that same territory again this year in his third year at the helm. So joining me from his office, my man, Shaheen Holloway. Coach Shaw, it's a pleasure to have you on, finally. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me, man. And this, yeah, this is my office from home. No, this, this is my new office at, at home. This has been my office since March. Um, spent a lot of time here doing a lot of zones, um, a, lot of, a lot of calls. So this is my home away from home. Uh, this is my, actually my office at home. But I appreciate it, man. How you been? Uh, you know, I can't complain, man. You know, we're only a week away from the season starting. That means, you know, more content to be juicing out. Uh, so, you know, always something to look forward to when you finally have, you know, a concrete date for the start of the season. Uh, it's just, you know, it's like a kid waking up on, uh, you know, gearing up for Christmas. You know, strangely enough, it's literally a, a, exactly a month away. Uh, but I definitely want to talk to you about the very beginning and getting you to Seton Hall because you narrowed your schools down to a final four, half of which from the ACC, Duke and Georgia Tech, along with Cal, Seton Hall was in the mix, but you eventually chose Seton Hall and you were a highly touted recruit. You were McDonald's All-American. Not only were you McDonald's All-American, you were the MVP of the McDonald's All-American game over someone by the name of Kobe Bryant. Uh, so just what was that overall experience like of, you know, narrowing down, you know, your college selection to stay home at Seton Hall versus, you know, challenging yourselves, challenging yourself at a school like a Duke or even a Georgia Tech. And then, of course, the experience of playing alongside, you know, one of the greatest to ever play the game of basketball in the McDonald's All-American game. No, it was, it was a good experience, man. You know, uh, you know, back then, you know, basketball was just so different than it is right now. You know, I thought, you know, I think, no disrespect to 
this generation, but basketball back then was just like tough. Every day you had you was playing against guys that was, you know, had something to prove and just want to, you know, go at people's heads and next. Um, it's not like right now where there's a lot of people that are trying to team up together and play like on a dream team. You know, everybody had like one or two one or two guys on their teams and that was it, you know, and then you went to war. Um, but, you know, that McDonald's game was pretty amazing. Uh, un- unbelievable experience. Um, had a great opportunity to play with, I mean, top to bottom, that <laughs> that class was so serious. Um, I think one of the best classes in the history of, of, of you know, that, that 96 class is just unbelievable. You look up, you do the history of it, <clears throat> just big. Um, and then you look, you look at a guy like Ronnie Fields, who was the main attraction of that class, but then got in an accident, broke his neck. And if he didn't do that, you know, we'll like, we'll be talking about him right now as one of the greats to have to ever play this game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That whole class of 96 was just absolutely insane. And it, I mean, that's crazy. It's literally the year I was born. Um, but How about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Good things happened in 96. Let's put it that way. Uh, so getting to Seton Hall, it was a very tough freshman year for you. I, well, statistically it wasn't, but team-wise it was, and it didn't make things much easier having to transition with head coaches. You had George Blaney your freshman year, but did you kind of get the sense once Tommy Amaker kind of took the reins that things were going to kind of turn the corner? It, it was tough for me, Tim, to tell you the truth, because, you know, I came to Seton Hall for, for Coach Blaney. You know, I loved him. I loved the staff. You know, they did an unbelievable job of recruiting me and made me a priority since they first got the job. I think I was a sophomore. I mean, every day, you know, Greg Arenda, who was the key guy recruiting me, he did an unbelievable job along with Kenny Williamson and Kerry Keaton and, you know, Coach Blaney, you know, you know that whole crew. And, um, you know, it was, it was a bittersweet because, you know, I was very upset and very down that, you know, they left, you know, because, like I said, I came there for them. Um, individually had some, you know, uh, good times on the court with those guys. Um, team-wise, I know it's going to be, you know, my first couple of years, it's going to be uh, rebuilding mode. Um, but I wanted that challenge. And then when they brought, you know, Coach Emmerker and, you know, he came in with a different pedigree, you know, being from Duke and, you know, being under the Coach K family. Um, you know, him and I, you know, kind of struggled the first couple of years because, you know, I, uh, I was used to playing a different way, a different style. And he came in, he wanted me to play a different style. And, and you know, it, it, didn't, it didn't necessarily fit my game. You know, at the time that I thought, you know, you look at, you look at my game, the way I play, I was up and down player. Like, I like to get in transition, I like to get up and down. Then when he came, he kind of slowed the game down and, you know, made us grind it out. And at the time, I didn't think that we had the person. Now for that, like I would say. You know, numbers went up as far as wins. Um, we got different type of talent in, and then the uh, rest is kind of history. Yeah, and, and you know, you had two NIT appearances in '98 and '99, but I think 2000. I feel, um, you know, from what I gathered um, with interviews with some of your former teammates, Remus Kokinas, and then Ty Shine, what you know, 2000 was like, okay, this is the year we have to really do something, especially with you and Remus being uh, captains as seniors um, and with UConn, you know, yes, they were the defending national champions, but 
they were losing so much of what made them so great. Uh, so essentially you guys were kind of looking at that as, okay, this is our time to s- step up and shine. Right. Well, you know what? It, 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 I mean, for me, it, it was different, you know, um, you know, I've been shining at Seton Hall since I got there. So it's not like, you know, my saying, yeah, it was a time when it's like, all right, well, now you got to shine. You know, if you, if you follow Seton Hall basketball, um, my junior year, you know, was a tough year doing injuries. You know, I struggled, like, you know, minorly, majorly. Uh, but since I got there, it, it, was, it was pretty much my team. You know, um, and, I, and I say that with, you know, not trying to be, you know, cocky and like that, being very humble. But that's the reason why I went there. You know, I went there to, to have the ball in my hands, to, you know, to make sure the team is built around me and stuff like that. Um, you know, I thought, you know, I thought T.A. did a great job with that, you know, Coach, Coach America, as the years went on. Um, you know, when I, when I went there, you know, I went there because Lavelle Sanders was there. He's a really good friend of mine. You know, and I thought, you know, him and Darnell Williams, and we, and we had some pieces. I thought, you know, Jaleel Roberts had just transferred in from Wisconsin. You know, uh, he was a, a top player in New Jersey. You know, in his high school years, uh, I think it was a top 100 player going to Wisconsin. Um, so I thought there were, there were some pieces to be made. You know, also I thought, you know, a couple of guys was going to come with me and follow me there. Tim Thomas, you know, other guys. It just didn't happen. You know, at the last minute, guys kind of went their own way. Um, we just couldn't decide on a school to go to together. You know, he liked Rutgers. I like Seton Hall. You know, so it was kind of like, all right, well, I'm not going to Rutgers. Okay, I'm not going to Seton Hall. So... Okay, you do Villanova, I'll do Seton Hall. Kind of like, you know, went from there. Yeah, and, and Tim Thomas, of course, you know, he had a uh, – it's crazy to think, you know, he had a pretty lengthy pro career, you know, spanning uh, over a decade. Um, and, of course, you know, at Villanova, he was solid. But, uh, but you know, by the time of 2000, Villanova wasn't even in the picture. But you guys firmly were. And one of the big upsets that you guys got early in the year, um, it was in January uh, over St. John's in the Meadowlands. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, in the pandemonium that kind of ensued in the celebration um, that in the early morning hours following that game uh, was when tragedy struck inside uh, Bolin Hall with um, the unfortunate fire that happened there. Um, you know, waking up the next day, um, what what do you remember most about hearing about the news and just the reaction inside the locker room? No, it, it, well, we didn't find out until we got back to campus. Um, you know, that day was it was a, it was so hot and so it, like it was a very hot day because it was it was like you know unbelievable win against a ranked team against a great team and guys played well, the team played well, the crowd was unbelievable. And then, you know, at two, one, two o'clock in the morning, to have fire alarms on campus, it, it, you know, it was, it became, you know, a, a nightmare, you know, something that, you know, you really don't wish and don't want to think about too much. But, um, you know, it was, it was a tough day in, in, in the Seton Hall community. You know, um, it was unfortunate, like I said, because, you know, hours before it was such a big boost for the, Seton Hall community winning that, that game. And then I was later to have that happen. Um, it was very sad. But yeah, so we kind of took it upon ourselves to, you know, put the school on our back, on our shoulders and carry them, you know. And, um, you know, from that moment on, you know, we, uh, we actually went on a, a great run, 
you know, uh, and the rest, like, like I said, it's history, you know, making the Sweet 16 and, you know, things like that. But it was, you know, definitely highs and lows to it. And, and before we get to that um, run in March Madness, of course, you know, just less than a week after this thing happened, uh, you guys go into Syracuse to take on the undefeated Syracuse, still at the time, the Orange Men. And they were coming in undefeated, 19-0. and 0. People weren't really giving you a shot, and um, I believe this was a game that was rescheduled uh, because of everything. Uh, but to go in there and win that kind of game and like in such an emotional way, really, uh, with guys making shots, Remus made some big ones, you, you know, and, it's, and I hear all the time about the depth perception at the Dome. Uh, how are you guys able to, you know, um, you know, weather that storm and, you know, do what a, what a lot of people thought at the time was rather unthinkable? You know what? It's, it's funny because, like, we had a lot of success up there. We wouldn't have success against them at home, but up there we had a lot of success. If I'm not mistaken, I think we won three out of four years up there. Um, you know, that game was actually, you know, really big because Syracuse was undefeated. I think they were number four in the country. Um, and we just kind of just went up there and just played basketball. You know, guys made shots. Guys made plays. Um, you know, we got stops when we needed stops. Um, like, like you said, Remus shot the ball well. Ty shot the ball well. Darius shot it well. Um, Sam, and, Sam and Greg uh, and Al and Ke like, like those guys was big down low. You know, I just control the game. I think I, think I had a triple-double that game, or close to a triple-double. You know, and it was just like, a, it was just a great team effort. You know, it was, you know, like, but like I said, we had success up there. Like, I think we won three of my four years up there, but we lost at home every time against them. So it was like very strange. Yeah, you know, you know, people like to talk about the home court advantage, but sometimes, hey, um, it's crazy. Listen, like I'm from Syracuse, and you know, for all those people who walk uphill to get to the dome just to walk back down that disappointed, like I can't even imagine. I mean, I was probably four years. I know I was four at the time. Well, I'm gonna be four, but I just couldn't even imagine just being undefeated and that having, you know like a team like Seton Hall, you know, a team that, you know, essentially Syracuse probably packs as a little brother to lose like that. Um, but, you, but you know what, though, to tell you the truth, that year, you know, we, we was ranked, you know, throughout the whole year. So it wasn't like, you know, it was like one of those early Seton Hall teams where, you know, teams was beating up on us and stuff like that. Like we was ranked, you know, I think throughout that whole year. Um, I, think, I think even going to the last week of the season, we, we was ranked. Um, so, but, you know, you know, like you said, when you were Syracuse and you were in those big schools at the time, um, yeah, you, yeah, you probably look at Seton Hall like, okay, this is a win. But, like, they knew what time it was. Like, they knew that they, they had to bring their A game every time we played them. And every, every team in the, in the league knew what it was. And that was so good about the league. You know, even it's – like, it's like right now, anybody could be anybody. And back then, like, the league was a monster. Like, it was – Seton Hall basketball was completely different than it is right now. It was more physical. It was – you know, it was, it was guys that was – you know, they had – not that they don't have pros right now, because they do have pros, but every team had three or four pros on the team back then, you know. So it was like, it was like Big East basketball was the top of the charts. Yeah, then. yeah. I mean, it, it was a 13-team league at the time. You know, the depth of the league was incredible. Um, but that year, uh, to get go into Selection Sunday and be given a 10 seed, but the benefit being 
you don't have to go too far. You're in the East region and you're going to Buffalo. Um, and in the first round you get Oregon and you already know you're going to have a bit of a home court advantage because I don't see a lot of people going all the way from Eugene to Buffalo for that kind of game. And of course, in a very even matchup, um, you, you want to drag it out type of game and you end up being the hero hitting the game winning shot. Um, just uh, take me back to just the play that it was. I think from what I remember, it was kind of has some remnants of if like five years before that with Tyus Edney from UCLA against Missouri. Um, but yeah, just, I know that in the moment you're probably not thinking that much, but kind of just take me through and, uh, Walk me through the sequence of that final play and you hitting the game winner. You know, it was uh, one of those moments where, you know, you you grow up you grow up watching the NCAA tournament, right? And you grow up watching one shining moment, you know. And everybody always said, like, I want to be a part of that. Like that's something that you know, one day I want to be a part of. And I was one of those kids, you know. And to have an opportunity to, you know, do that was even more special. You know, being my senior year and. Then, Taking me, it took me, it took us four years, took me four years to get there. You know, I wanted to make sure that it was a, a memorable year, uh, a memorable game. And I came out super aggressive um, from the start to end. Uh, you know, th- that play was called quick. You know, it was supposed to be a, I supposed to drive to the wing, I supposed to drive to the sideline. It was supposed to be a double screen for Remus, for Remus or Darius. But it was no, it was no chance nobody else was getting that ball at the time. It wasn't even going to happen. You know, I, I knew what I was doing. Once they took the free throw, whether it was going in or whether it was missing, I was getting the ball and going. There was no way I was giving the ball up at that time. We was we, we either win or lose with me. And, and fortunately, we, we, we won the game. Of a shot that I practiced all the time. Chris Collins was a coach at the time on the staff, who was a coach at, West, at Northwestern right now. Him and I practiced that shot every day after practice. Every day. You know, because he always says, shot, when you get in there, you're small. You got to get, you know, you got to get that photo up between the trees. And we practice that shot all the time, and it just so happened that it worked. Yeah, and uh, I mean, with your speed, I don't think anyone was going to catch you that day, um, except for the people that would meet you at the rim. But before I move on to the second round game, side side note question: Is Luther Vandross the best singer for One Shiny Moment? <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's classic. It's classic. I mean, that's that's just a classic. It's a classic song. It's a it's a classic moment. It's a classic thing, and, and, and you're right. I don't think no one else could sing it like he, does, like he do, like he did, and like he still do at the, at, at the moment. Just, right. It's a classic. You know, it's yeah. a classic. Yeah, so the first year they did it was during uh, SU's title run. So, honestly, that holds a little more special place in my heart because I was seven watching Melo do things at the Dome and, of course, winning the national championship. But before I get even more sidetracked, the second-round game against Temple – uh, Ty Shine had a lot of good things to say about that Temple team. They were really tough. Uh, uh, John Chaney coach team, like back in, like from like the late 80s until the early 2000s. Like that was Temple basketball. They were a beast of a program in the 810. Uh, but you go down early in that game. And essentially you got to watch from the sidelines and essentially will your team on. Uh, how hard was that uh, to do that? And just uh, in general, like how much did it take just to leave Buffalo uh, with a ticket punched 
just a little bit further down east to Syracuse, um, strangely enough, for the Sweet 16, the first time the program had done that in eight years. No, it was, <clears throat> you know, it was a bittersweet moment. You know, very, very happy and very, you know, you know, grateful, you know, like Todd played unbelievable, man. I mean, unbelievable. You know, Darius played great. Remus played great. Everybody played. The team played great. It was very happy for the team, but at the same time bitter because I couldn't be a part of it. You know, and um, like you work your life off. Like you, you, work, you, you work your whole life for a moment like that to play in those tournaments, to play in this particular tournament, right? Um, especially having the opportunity for to be on the East Coast, right? So people have to travel now. You get a nice, you know, fan base. You know, and then you, you play a team like Temple, who was a number two seed, which I thought should have been number one seed. That team was unbelievable. You know, they had Mark Hartrell, who I thought was one of the best players in college basketball at the time. You know, very good player, and Pepe Sanchez and Len Greer and those guys. I mean, just, just a good team. You know, you know legendary coach, um, Hall of Famer. You know, and then, you know, to, to go down like that in the, in the first five minutes of the game, it was, it was heartbroken. You know, so, you know, you, you know I, I get... I go in the back, they, they, they take me to the hospital, I go get x-rays, um, come back, and I come back, it's the second half, and you know, Todd's just making shots, it's like unbelievable, and I'm like, wow. Like, I'm talking about like, unbelievable shots. Shots like, no, 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 oh yeah, 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 you know. <laughs> you know, so it, 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 was, it was, you know, one of those games, and you just watch from the sideline, you just appreciate, you know, I've, I watched from the sideline, and I would, you know, did anything I can to try to cheer on my team, but I appreciate those guys out there battling, um, like we did, and to pull it off, which is icing on the cake. Yeah, and it was kind of like the same situation in that uh, Sweet 16 game against Oklahoma State. And, you know, you can make the argument that Oklahoma State team is just as good as Temple. I mean, just look at uh, some of the talent. I mean, Desmond Mason, for one. I mean, that dude was a high flyer. I'm pretty sure he won the dunk contest in the NBA the very next year. And then, uh, strangely enough, Doug Gottlieb was their starting point guard. And now you see him as a bit of a talking head on, you know, on radio and TV, whatever. Um, but to, I couldn't even imagine um, just what it was it more tough having to, you know, watch the season and your college career end from the sideline? Or were you one to think I would have rather wanted it to end with me being on the court? rather than me being, you know, sidelined with an injury. Of course you want to be on the court, you know. You know, I, I, I think any player is probably going to say the thing I'm about to say right now. I think, you know, I, I think if I would have played that game, we definitely would have won and went to Elite Eight. You know, it was kind of set up for us. You know, Duke had lost to Virginia, I mean, to right. Uh, Florida. Right. You know, so it was kind of set up for us. But, you know, it was, you know, it was a, a great game. You know, team played hard. Like, we, we couldn't make shots. You know, we, we had good shots. We, we, couldn't, we, we couldn't make shots that game. Um, if we made some shots, we probably could have won, you know, by eight to ten points going, going away. Um, just a tough shooting night for a couple guys. But, you know, those, those guys put us, put us in that position too. So, like, you, like you live and die with them. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely would have loved to play. I did everything I can to play. You know, I, I, I rehab, you know, eight times a day. You know, I lived in – I slept in the training room four straight days. You know, rehabbing, but just my injury was so serious. It took me a year and a half to recoup, um, and I fully never really recouped from it. I, I ripped, I ripped nine different ligaments in my in my ankle. You know, our doctor said that he never seen an ankle injury that bad before. Wow. Um, 
you know, that, you know, had a slight tear on my Achilles. So it was just a very unfortunate, freaky accident, man. You know, um, that, you know, I never really, never really fully recovered from. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of like transitions into what I was going to talk to you about, you know, not having a very lengthy professional career, you know, it only lasted seven years. Uh, but how did you ease yourself into coaching? And of course, you know, that of course is going to beg the question, how that led you to one Kevin Willer. Well, you know, it, coaching was always the, the plan after I finished playing. Um, it kind of happened quicker than I expected, you know, having a daughter at a young age. Um, so at the time I stopped playing, I stopped playing because I had to deal with, you know, that situation, right. come back home and kind of, you know, being a father, you know, I hadn't having to deal with that, you know, growing up and being a man. Um, and then, you know, have an opportunity to come back and, you know, coach high school basketball with Bloomfield Tech with Nick Marinaro. Um, we had a very good year, went to the state championship game. Then the following year, uh, Bobby Gonzalez got the job at Seton Hall and asked me to come on board. Um, I took the job, but I took the job thinking that I was going to still be playing. You know, I thought that, you know, the thing with my daughter was going to be a quick, easy fix, but it wasn't. You know, it was, it was, it was drawn out. So I took, I took the job. I was still training every day. Um, you know, Coach you know, Gonzalez gave me an unbelievable opportunity to come in and, and be a part of his staff. Um, I learned a lot from those guys, you know, Jeff Billett, you know, Kevin Murphy, Thurman Player, Steve Sowers, you know, Bobby Gonzalez, you know, you know, Evan, you know, uh, Alvin. I think Alvin is, is part of the Pelicans right now. Like, like he was assistant coach at the Pelicans, assistant GM, you know. So, you know, that, like, that staff was unbelievable. Like, learned a lot from those guys. <clears throat> and then the following year, you know, uh, you know, Coach, coach Willard got the job at Iona. And uh, he brought me in for an interview. And, you know, a couple months later, he gave me a job and I was, was with him for 11 years. <laughs> like, honestly, like, you know, people love to talk about duos. And I think the, the duo of you and Willard was so underrated. And that even goes back to Iona. Uh, but for him to, you know – take you with him to Seton Hall um, for you to come home and serve as, you know, associate head coach, you know, it must've been like a dream come true first and foremost. And, you know, the first four years of that, um, obviously they weren't too great with, with the exception of 2012, I'd say with, you know, nearly making the NCAA tournament, people still claim that you should have made the tournament that year. And I, I think there's a very good case that you should have. But uh, I definitely want to talk about the transition um, into the new Big East. Uh, so what were the challenges that were being presented to uh, you and the rest of the staff and, of course, the team uh, with this, I wouldn't say watered-down Big East, but, you know, essentially rebranded league with, you know, the Catholic Seven and then, of course, the additions of Xavier Butler and Creighton? Well, you know, it was, you know, Obviously, it was a tremendous opportunity to come back and, and be a part of the coaching staff at Seton Hall. You know, that's, that was, you know, that's something that I cherish forever. You know, that's home. You know, that's home base. Um, you know, coming back there with Coach Willard, you know, being familiar, being with him for three years. And, like, we knew it was going to be an uphill battle in the grind. But you had, we, we had no idea it was going to be like that the first three to four to five years. I mean, it was, 
I mean, that lead was a monster. <laughs> I mean, that that lead was, jeez. You know, you, you, like, you have nightmare thinking about it right now. Yeah. Especially you that know. first year with 11 teams making the tournament. Yeah, you know. And then, you know, our second year, like, we got jerked. Like, we shouldn't have made the tournament. Like, it's, make no mistake about it. Like, that, got that right. Like, like our, our, our resume, everything like that, everything we had that year, everything we did that year, we did enough to make the tournament. Um, you, you go back to that last game at Rutgers, you know, Rutgers at home when they called that foul on her Pope. You know, it was, like, unbelievable, like, just bad call. You know, and then that kind of changed things around. But, um, you know, and then we started grinding. You know, we'd be grinding, we'd grinding, and chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. Until, like, you know, what, what people don't understand is when you take over a job, like, it takes time to build a very good foundation. Like, it doesn't happen overnight. Like, it's, it's, it's steps and the steps and the steps and the steps and the steps. And, you know, and we was, like, building and building and building and building. And then, you know, um, people wanted it, like, right away. Like, oh, you guys should come in. Like, do you guys understand this league? <laughs> do you, you understand the teams in this league right now? You know, and then, you know, once the, the, the new Big East happened, you know, it wasn't easy. I mean, you, you, you bring in three teams that had unbelievable success. You bring in three teams that you look at it right now, this is at the top of the Big East, <laughs> you know, that had success in their previous leagues, you know, with Butler and, and Xavier and Creighton, you know, so – you know, you, you bring those three teams in along with the teams that they are ready and it just became an unbelievable league, even to this day right now. I mean, you know, you could, you could argue for the last four to five to six years that it's been one of the, it's been, if not the best league, one of the best leagues in college basketball, top two. So, um, you know, I just thought that, you know, we did an unbelievable job of just grinding and, and getting the best and getting the right players, not necessarily the best players, the right players to fit what we were trying to do. And that, that perfectly transitions into, um, obviously, your first year in the new Big East. Uh, Standings-wise, didn't pan out so great, but you did make some noise, upsetting Villanova in the Big East tournament, uh, making all the way to the semifinals. But getting the right pieces for the following year with, of course, the great 2014 recruiting class, uh, featuring four, not one, not two, not three, but four guys that would go on to earn all Big East honors. Uh, Isaiah Whitehead, Angel Delgado, Kadeen Carrington, Desi Rodriguez, and then you add in Ishmael Sonogo and then Mike Enzi. Um, what went into putting that group of guys together? Um, and, like, for Seton Hall to, you know, do that, you know, put together, like, a top 15 recruiting class, you know, that was kind of unheard of. So, and I know you were a big uh, piece in putting that group together. So, uh, yeah, just kind of give you some insight as to uh, how that group came together. Well, you know what, it, 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 you know, it's, it started with Fukon Edwin, right? You know, um, Fu was Bobby Gonzalez recruit. Um, when we got the job, you know, we had to re-recruit Fu. And then, you know, you get Fu and then you get, you know, some pieces. You know, then you bring in a transfer like Sterling Gibbs. And then you get, a, you know, a top player to stay home like Jeremy Cena. So that, that kind of like started it for us, right? You know, those, those guys kind of like started, you know, keeping local talent home. Fool's a Jersey kid, Stone's a Jersey kid, Jeremy Cena a Jersey kid. You know, kind of keeping that talent home. And then, you know, we, we had some success. You know, um, you know, we had a good run towards the end of that year. And then the following year, that's that summer, you know, these are guys that we've been recruiting for a long time. Put a lot of work in with them. You know, a lot of work, you know, and then, you know, you get a guy like, 
ish, right? That everybody said, why you get a guy like that? Like he's not a top guy. But people forget all the intangibles that Ish brings. You know, Ish, Ish, Ish is a guy that could guard one through five. You know, Ish is a guy that, you know, coming from a winning, a winning program in New Jersey. Ish is a guy that wanted to be at C Hall. And that was our thing. Like, we want guys that want to be here. You know, if you don't want to be here, it's not going to work. You know, Ish wanted to be there. You know, Ish had great size at 6'7". You know, he was an unbelievable person, great teammate. Um, he was the ultimate glue guy. Like, we don't win the Big East tournament a lot of games without Ish, period. And that's, and that's just a, a fact. You know, um, you know, then, you know, and a guy like, so I'm going to start from the end. Then you had a guy like Mike Enzi late. Like, so we got Mike Enzi late. Like, we got Mike Enzi um, in, like, March of, or April. You know, uh, Mike, once again, another guy that we target, we watch. You know, another guy that, that's interchangeable, could play multiple positions, play hard. You know, low maintenance. You know, guys that you want in your program. So you, you get Mike, you know, late. Mike was the last one we, we got. So now let me rewind back to the beginning now. Right? So now you go out and you, you target guys, right? So you say, okay, you got Jeremy Cena, you got Sterling Gibbs. Two very good players and two very good combo guards, right? So you're like, okay, well, we got to be careful who we go out and bring in, right? So you go out and get the best big man in the country, Angel Delgado, right? Now, everybody wants to play with Angel. Angel is a rebounding machine. He's unselfish. You know, he's a, he's a guy that, you know, we've been targeting since he first got here from the Dominican Republic. Um, a friend of mine, Kevin Simmons, coached him in high school at uh, Christian Redemption. Um, Kevin Simmons played with me overseas and played with me uh, in uh, ABA. So he called me, Angel Junior year. He brought Angel to some games. You know, we got a chance to get to meet him and know him, him and his uncle, and gain that relationship. So now you get a guy like Angel, right? So now, you know, we out there searching, searching. You know, I seen a guard that I just fell in love with. I'm like, this kid is unbelievable, man. Like, he's a scorer, he's smooth, you know, he don't, he don't say a word on the court. He let his, he let his game do the talking for him. You know, it's a guy that you gotta have on your team. You know, New York City, Mr. Basketball, we had to have him. So then we go and get Kadeen Carrington. You know, Kadeen and Isaiah are great friends, right? So we, we, we trying to recruit Z. You know, at the time, you know, Z had a lot of big schools, you know, on him. Um, but the relationship with Angel and Kadeem helped a lot. I mean, a lot. Um, so we got to get to know Z. You know, we, we told Z, you know, you got a chance to come in and be, you know, a big-time player with great guys. Now, you ain't got to come and be the savior because there's going to be good pieces around you. And I think that's what he wanted. Like, if you watch Isaiah, um, as good as he is, he liked having pieces around him and not having to be the Batman all the time. Right. You know, so convince him to come. And then now this is, this is the funny part. Desi was supposed to be the following year. So they played in the tournament in Florida, City of Palms, one of the best tournaments. Uh, we, we go down there and watch. They play against Malbert. Desi Rodriguez single-handedly won a game against them against Marbury, against Ben Simmons. I mean, totally outplayed Ben. Totally outplayed him.
I'll top them everything. So as a staff, we like, well, why wait till next year? You know, six, six kids, six, five kids, let's bring them in now, toughness. Like, we don't know what he is, like what, what position he is, because he kind of plays center in high school. But, you know, with his, with his skill set, let's bring him in. And then, you know, we got that class, and those guys came in and worked their butt off. You know, we put a lot of hours in with them. And, um, you know, years, four years later, you got three guys that scored 1,000 points. You know what I mean? And then you had, then you, you, had, you know, guys that, you know, played over X amount of games and just a lot of experience and just guys that like playing with each other. You know, so if you watch that group, you, you watch them, they, they love playing with each other. You know, and, then it was, and then the, the great thing about it, it was all local kids. And that's how we wanted to build it. And that's how we kind of build it from there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you talk about um, the pieces that were there already to begin with on top of that, and that kind of, like, caused a rift. Although, of course, there were a lot of sunshine and rainbows, you know, getting off to such a big start, you know, upsetting St. John's and Villanova at the start of conference play, being 15-6 and six at the halfway point. And then things kind of just falling apart, losing nine of your final 10 games. Uh, but for you guys to, you know, completely shake that all off and turn the page and granted, you you know, you lose some key pieces of that group, Gibbs and Cena, but addition by subtraction, you get a guy like Derek Gordon who essentially becomes the gl- the the glue of that team um, as the lone senior. Um, how important was it for you, for you guys to get him and give that, you know, young but talented group the leadership it so desperately needed? So, you know, you want to give credit when credit is going to start at the top. I thought Coach Willard did an unbelievable job of first us getting that recruiting class. He was a major part of it. You know, he said he was the boss – the head coach, he spent a lot of hours, you know, chasing those guys around every AAU event, you know, everything. I mean, you know, he was very active, you know, in those, those two years, like tremendously active. Um, and then, you know, he, he did a good job of just kind of managing things. You know, everybody think there was a lot of riff and static on that team. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like the media or anybody portraying to be. Um, was it a perfect team? No. But it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't bad as as bad as people say. What happened is you got a bunch of young guys, right? That all and they on their teams was the man on their high school teams. And you try to bring those guys together, and you have them six, seven months to try to do that. Like you, you can't change people in six months, five months, you know. So, for example, we was playing really well in the beginning of the year. You know, we, we, we actually went out to the Paradise Jam. We, we won the Paradise Jam. Of course, I remember that. You know, we won the Paradise Jam, came back home, and then we went on a trip. We played South Florida and Georgia, right? Went down to a very good South Florida team, and, and we spanked them. Mm-hmm. You know, we went and played Georgia, and that's when Isaiah broke his foot. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So when that happened, now you're changing different parts again, right? You're changing different parts of the team. Yeah. So now Isaiah goes down. Um, now Kadeem steps up. Now Kadeem is playing a role that he wasn't comfortable playing in at the time because he was comfortable playing a role that we had him in. Um, so then we had to change. Then we remember we had to pit Desi, 
you know, Desi was, was, was playing the four. Then we kind of put him at the, at the, at the three. So we, we was kind of moving parts. Because if you remember, the, the starting lineup that year was Sterling Isaiah Kadeem. You know, right. Brandon Mobley and Angel. Uh-huh. You know, so we had to, you know, change things around because we became really small. Um, so then when that happened, you know, coach, coach did a great job of, of adjusting and putting different pieces together. And then the Big E started, right? And then we went on a run. You know, the first two games was at home. The crowd was electric. It was unbelievable. You know, we beat Villanova. We beat St. John's. But if you watch it, the matchups was great because they wasn't big. They were small. So the matchups was unbelievable, like the same. So the Villanova, remember, they, they played four guards and a big guy. St. John's played like, you know, five people. Like, it was just interchangeable. Right. And, then, and then you had like Chris Opeka down low, kind of like blocking everything. Mm-hmm. So it, it fit our personnel at the time. Then as the least, and as the season started going on, we started playing bigger teams with different lineups, and it kind of messed up what we was doing. So it's not so much that, you know, we was losing. No, teams started adjusting to us. Mm-hmm. You know, so at first when you're playing Sterling, Isaiah, I mean, Sterling, Kadeem, and, and Jaron, no one's used to playing against three small guards that can handle the basketball and you just, just play basketball. And then that time you got to get credit when credit do. Sterling Gibbs had a, a, a run that was out of this world. I mean, he got player of the week, national player of the week twice. Not Big East player of the week, national player of the week. Right. You know, so, you know, things are going, then we try to, then, then you know, I think end of January, February start, then now we're trying to get mix, Isaiah back in the mix. Because mm-hmm. he came like, back in the Xavier game at the end of January. And, and had an unbelievable out-of-body experience. Because he only practiced two or three times before that game and played great. But then reality set in after that. You know, he was, he was rusty, his legs. Um, and then, you know, he was, you know, trying to, you know, force things. And then we, we were trying to do some stuff where, you know, it was uh, it was tough. You know, it was frustration start building. Anytime you lose in frustration build, you know, amongst coaches, amongst players, amongst everybody. Like, no one wants to be in a situation where you're, you're losing five games in a row. Like, that sucks, you know. Um, so the competitiveness of certain people came in. Um, and then we could never just get the rhythm. Right, so then you lose two great players in Sterling and Jaron. Two great players, you know, lose two great players, and then you add a guy like Derek Gordon. And what Derek did for us is bring a different element. He brought the toughness we need. He brought the pedigree of a winner. You know, think about it. He was in the NCAA tournament with two different teams already before us. Yep, and he, and he became and he became the first to ever you know, do it at three that yeah, year. You no, know, and then you know he brings a guy that. Is a leader. We never had a leader on that on those teams because those guys was young. Look at that class. They they were sophomores. Like so, we we didn't have no leadership. So he brought instant leadership. Um, he brought credibility. He brought a guy that averaged eleven five and five for two straight years. You know, so when you bring a guy like that, like no one understood what he meant to that team. No one, you know, unless you're with us every single day and in there, you know. And then you had a guy like Javon Thomas who set out that year, right? But in practice, Derek and Jerron made Kadeem and Isaiah work every single day. Like, it, it, was, it was unbelievable to watch. It was times where Kadeem and Isaiah got so frustrated that they, 
like just wanted to quit because you got two guys as pinball defenders defending you every single day, every single minute. So that became, if you watch our team, our team became a defensive team once we got Derek. Yeah. And that's kind of when we kind of started off. It wasn't, our, it wasn't our offense. Our defense kind of took us to the level where um, and then you add guys like Derek and Ish, and then, you know, Mike, those guys are on the same team. Then, you know, Desi brought in, Isaiah brought in, Kadeem brought in, Angel brought in. I mean, it was, like, unbelievable to watch. Like, you watch us play that, you know, that, that year we won the Big East Championship. Like, we, like we defended our, our tails off. Yeah, and uh, the funny thing was I was actually looking at the stats defensively. I think you guys were giving up less than, like, so after that three and four start in the last 11 games of the regular season where you went nine and two, you gave up, like, well <laughs> under 70 points a game, which was, I think, only behind Villanova for being the best in the league. And then, of course, in the Big East tournament, that was where you guys really shined because I, I think – I don't know how true this is, but I think – the bad taste of the year before where Marquette kind of, you know, and part of my French on this kind of whooped your ass all over New York city. Um, I think that bad taste might've damn, Tim. You know, stayed in your mouth a little bit. Damn, damn Tim, tell me how you really feel. Now, <laughs> listen, man. I, like I was, I mean, I was Jeez. always like, I was come, like, I mean, I didn't want it either, but I like, I'm, I was a realist. I saw what was happening and it sucked, but that's kind of what just happened there. And it was unfortunate because, you had, I mean, there really wasn't much you could do when Marquette was just hitting three after three. Derek Wilson had like 13 assists that night. Listen, I remember all this stuff, man. Some of it gives me PTSD, but I, I digress. But for you no, guys no, to do it. was it, tough. <clears throat> well, you realize, you know. You Go ahead. Well, you know, it was, you know, obviously, you know, you don't want to get embarrassed. You know, and Marquette embarrassed us the, the, the year before. Um, so, we, so, you know, we came in and that, and that particular group had a chip on their shoulder coming back. You know, coming back days, you know, the day sophomore year, then Eric, then you know, adding a few pieces that that we added with, you know, with um, even the bench. You know, Vince Singh played unbelievable for us. You know, Brady Anson was unbelievable in practice, banging up against Andrew every day, getting getting a better older guy. And Miles Carter um, also, he had a big <clears throat> block in that quarterfinal game against Creighton. You know, Miles Carter, Dylan, you know, Dylan, so forth. Like we, you know, we had a good. You know, everybody played a good role. You know, everybody played the role. Everybody did what they had to do. Um, you know, Mike Enzi was, you know, great, like he always been, just solid. And, uh, you know, we just came in and we just, we just played. We defended. That was the difference. Like, we defended, man. Like, we just defended. Isaiah made plays. Kadeem made plays. Desi made plays. You know, Derek hit big shots in the tournament. You know, we just, 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 we just defended. And then, you know, what sucked about that year was the end. You know, you come off a tremendous high. Now you so like think about the, the, the teams we had to play in the Big East tournament. We had to play first, um, we had, we had to play uh, Creighton, who had our number during the year. You know, Lil Marcus, uh, what's his name, Marcus Johnson, Marcus Wilson, Mo Watson, Mo Watson, he just destroyed us. Um, even that game, if I'm not mistaken, what's the kid name? The foreman, I think he had like Cole Huff. Oh my goodness! I mean, Ish had nightmares about him. We we was cracking jokes about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, we we played that game. It was a great team. Then we had to play Xavier, which I thought was probably the best team that year. Beat them, and then we had to play Nova. You know, so then you play those three games back to back to back, right? You win, you win late Saturday night. Sunday, you find out 
you know, we was a live team called. Monday, we're on a plane leaving, going to uh, Salt Lake City, I think, right? Or was it Denver? Denver. 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 Uh, we out there, never really got a chance to really experience what we just did in the Big East tournament. And then you give us Gonzaga, who's one, who's one of the best teams at like 12, like, like 1 o'clock in the morning. Like, you know what I mean? So it was like, it was like, like, it was like bittersweet. Like you, you go from the tremendously big high, right? Yeah. To get on a plane, to go out there just to get used to, you know, you know, the, the I guess altitude. The, the altitude and all that type stuff. And then, you know, you play at, I think if I'm not mistaken, that game before was like three overtimes or two overtimes, something like that. Uh, there was a game in the afternoon that went to double overtime. With no, the game before I was. The, the game before I was, because we was in locker room forever. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think that game went to like two or three overtimes. Nah, nah, nah. Yeah. So, like, I, I think so. There like, was a game. Thought... There was a game in the afternoon that went to double overtime, but the game before Fresno State Utah went on fine. We didn't get on the court to like almost eleven o'clock. Easter, right? I remember that. Trust me. You know what I mean? So, and then you know it was tough. Like they, you gotta give credit credit, dude. They was a good team, well coached, grossly underseeded. But not even that. Think, I mean, think about it. that team. I have two pros in that team. One is like an all-star right now. Sabonis, Sabonis. yeah. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Great guard play. Um, and, you know, they, 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 they did. And we couldn't make a shot. Like, we was out of sync. Like, Isaiah was bad. Like, we was, like, we was out of sync. We couldn't. Yeah. I mean, we, we I couldn't remember. Match up, like, we couldn't match up with their with they size. You know, yeah. so it was, you know, it, was, it was like, okay. You know, and then, you know, you know it just kind of happened that way. Yeah, and. Honestly, that leads to even, like, um, the following year. You know, the funny thing is, you know, you lose Isaiah, but you guys still manage because there's literally what I believe the Seton Hall way and just the program that the way that it was built, just it became so good that it, you guys still found a way to make the tournament. And a big part of that was Angel being Angel that year, leading the country in rebounds. Unanimous first team all Big East, you know. I think you won your final four regular season games uh, to secure yourselves in the tournament. But you know, I still remember losing the heartbreaking game against Villanova in the Big East tournament, and then of course because, the because, the game because, because Desi didn't blocks out. He didn't block out with Josh Hart. <laughs> you know, the funny thing was, you know, like I, you know, people talk about like, oh, Angel missed this shot, and like that doesn't happen if Desi doesn't box out and rebound yeah, Josh Hart. That's, that's what I do, and and we told him, but you know, we, you can't knock Desi for that, man. That's what it is. But you know what? So what we did when we lost, you know, Isaiah and Derek, like you just go rebuild, right? We, we go find, you know, you know, we, we go find Madison Jones, who no one knew about. You know, started at Wake Forest for three years. You know, we, we bring him in. We know he wasn't going to be. Isaiah, he just was a solid player. And then we bring in Miles Powell. So then, you know, you have a, 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 a team like that where it's like, okay, you, you still got the core, right? You still got, you know, Desi, Kadeem, Angel-ish, Mike. So you still got those five, right? Mm -hmm. You go get – now you go get um, Madison. You, you go get Miles. And then like, okay, you know, these, if these two guys could play a good role for us, we could be fine. Um, and they did, you know, they came in, they, they did what they had to do. I thought, I thought Madison was solid. I thought he was, he was, he was great for us. You know, as a freshman, Miles played good. He played big. He had big games. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the two big games I remember being at Iowa and at Xavier. I mean, some of the shots he was hitting against Xavier on the road was just 
even though it was in a losing effort, like just unreal. I'm pretty sure he hit a three from like almost at the X, like right around half court. I mean, it's like shades of what he was, he's been doing all four years. Correct. You know, so, you know, that happens, you know, we go into the tournament, you know, we uh, had a great game plan. I thought we played great into the end. We start turning the ball over against Arkansas. I mean, I thought we had a great game plan going, going into that game. Um, they're a team that's, that's very good at their play health to scouter. And then, then towards the end, we kind of, it kind of got, it kind of got away from us, man. It got away from us. Yeah. And I was going to ask you about, um, because you had a very good view of the sequence. First of all, I mean, people want to talk about the foul that was called on Desi that was upgraded to a flagrant one, but there was a travel missed in the backcourt, uh, that Aaron Gordon ended up telling me that's what you guys are more upset about. But, uh, just uh, take me back to, you know, what the officiating crew was telling you, you know, after going to the table and reviewing um, and then upgrading uh, that personal foul on Desi uh, to a flagrant one, which I'm pretty sure they were only in a one-on-one situation. So that changed pretty much everything at that point. Yeah, you know, like I said, we kind of fell apart towards the end, man. Um, whatever could happen wrong, whatever could happen wrong, it went wrong, it happened wrong. You know, just – we fell apart. Like we had, like we controlled the game. Guys played um, unbelievable. You know, it was, you know, it was, it was tough. Um, and then we just lost our heads. To tell you the truth, we kind of lost our heads. And um, you know, you don't want to blame anything on the officials because it's, it's a game of basketball. But you know, a couple calls that didn't go our way, and we we, we lost the game. Yeah, but so seen um, the senior year for those guys. Obviously, you had much higher expectations. Um, I, I think more so the expectation was, you know, five, six, maybe even higher, you know, and people were really, you know, pushing it, especially with the start that you guys got off to. Uh, but you end up in eight seed in that year's tournament. And how gratifying was it, you know, to finally, you know, granted it took them until the very end, but uh, how appropriate was it that they finally were able to get that first NCAA tournament win since 2004 at the time um, in that tournament um, out in Wichita oh. against NC State. But, you, I mean, you think about it, we got very bad seeds. Every year we had, I mean, we had tough seeds. <laughs> yeah. You know, we had, we had tough seeds. And then I thought, you know, some of the seeds that we had, we should, we should, we should, we should have been higher, to tell you the truth. Um, not just what we thought. Um, you know, um, there was a lot of expectations on, 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 the, on that team seeing you that I thought wasn't fair. You know, you got to realize what we did. We had, like, we tried to, like, we converted Kadeem Carrington to a point guard. He didn't play point guard his whole career. You know, that's hard to do. That's tremendously hard to do. You know, um, you asked him, Miles Powell, as a sophomore, to step up and play a role, um, you know, that he, I thought he played great. Um, you know, and then you, you try to add pieces. You know, you try to add pieces. You know, you got to have a good bench. Um, you know, you had young guys coming in playing. But those guys, you know, you know, you know, Sandro came in and played well. Miles Kell played well as freshmen. Yeah, and he had to step up in a tight spot late in the season when Desi went down with that ankle injury in Providence. Correct. You know what I mean? So, you know, we came and we had – it was some highs and lows, like, like every team have. Uh, we, we faced a, a great – a really good – a really good North Carolina State team. Um, matched up well against them. Guys played well. And then, we, you know, you, you, you face a hometown team, Kansas. Mm -hmm. I thought I thought that we played. I thought Kadeem played um, unbelievable. Had a great game. Um, thought we battled, missed some shots. Um, it was still right there at, at the end. Yeah, and Angel had a monster game too. I mean, that was one of the all-time performances I've ever seen him put together. 
Yeah. So, you know, it just, like I said, we just had tough seats. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I I leave and get this St. Peter's job and then they have to go to North Carolina and they play Wint, Winthorpe, right? Oh, what's it? Wofford. 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 Yeah. Like, I mean, like, Jesus, like, it's, it's, it's just the seeds that CC Hall gets is just like un, unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's within the Seton Hall community. They love to gripe about their tournament seeds. But, um, you know, I, I, I got to go back to, you know, like the timing of everything, like uh, with the way things ended in Wichita, um, with that group graduating and, you know, a group that you had a big part in putting together and then you moving on yourself uh, to St. Peter's. Um, I, you know, like in my opinion, it was kind of apropos. Um, and poetic in a way, uh, but for you to, you know, essentially take that next step forward uh, to St. Peter's um, where you've already had tremendous success. What are the biggest lessons that you've learned um, just during, uh, during that run um, with Willard um, at the hall uh, that you've taken with you, um, you know, during these first two years at St. Peter's that, you know, that have obviously led to some tremendous success so far. You know what? It, it was, you know, it, it it was time. You know, being you know being with someone for eleven years and grinding with them and taking over two programs that was down at the time. Yeah, I remember when we took over that Iona program, which is had tremendous success, tremendous history. They had, they was coming off a one or two win season. You know, um, so and 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 three years turned that around, and then coming to Seton Hall that was down at the time and turned that around. You know, so you know, being a part of of a, of a of a staff that you know turned around two programs and being eleven years, it, it was it was it was it was time. You know, I knew I was ready. Um, it was somebody over there that I knew who was the athletic director, Brian Felt. Brian, you know, great guy. You know, you know who you know, I worked with alongside of Seton Hall for many years, knew him forever. You know, um, then you just gotta believe in yourself. You know, sometimes you know, when things happen, you just gotta you know. You just gotta believe in yourself. You gotta, you know, you gotta bet on yourself, and that's what I did. You know, um, being a part of Seton Hall is some of the best things that ever happened to me. Going, going there as a player, coming back as a coach. I mean, you know, those moments you just can't never ever forget or take back. I just, I, I cherish those moments. But it was time to move on. It was time to become my own boss. It was time to, you know, get my own program. I, I was ready. You know, a lot of it is, is the help of Coach Willard helping me get get ready. Um, and you know, like, you know, before I left, I made sure that we were stacked at Seton Hall. You know, so that's, you know, I want to I want to put that out there because, you know, before I left, I made sure y'all realized, you know, we brought in um, Quincy. You know, we we brought in Roll. You know, you know, um, one of the players that we brought in, I thought it panned out really good. It didn't pan out that well for him. You know, there. Um, but, you know, the team that, you know, when I left, like, left them with a good team. You know, brought in, you know, Jared, Jared Roden, brought in, you know, uh, Anthony Nelson. So, you know, made sure that, that, that the home team was good before I left. You know what I mean? And, you know, yeah. and it was coach they had, and he coached them up. He did an unbelievable job of coaching those dudes. Um, obviously, they would have they made the tournament this past, they did last year when it passed. It would have been five straight years. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know it. It, it, does, it doesn't stop. You know, hopefully it's continue to keep rolling over there. Yeah, and I, you know, I still remember. Uh, 
So during the 2019 season, I was there for Mike Enzi's senior day, and I know you were. And I, one thing I remember right before I left the building, I, I, I saw you, uh, you know, literally bear hugging Coach Willard. Like that, that connection don't die, man. Um, like just wholesome stuff, man. You know, you, you can't not love it. Um, but uh, overall, though, um, and another thing uh, I was just thinking about, you know, Miles Powell was a guy you recruited, and, you know, literally tomorrow, he might hear his name called on draft night. Uh, so I definitely got to ask, you know, um, you know, how much you've, uh, you know, stayed in touch with him, um, you know, recently or over the past couple of years since your departure and, you know, um, what you're thinking about his uh, prospects for draft night. No, Miles, Miles is my little brother. You know, we talk all the time. Um, a, a team would be really silly not to take him. You know, all the things that he'd done in his career, he's a proven winner. Um, you know, he can score the basketball. He can shoot the basketball. You know, he's gonna make he's he's gonna make some team really really happy when they, when they when they when they draft him. Um, he's just an unbelievable kid, great character person. Um, basketball speaks for itself. You know, all the records he broke and all the all the hardware he got the last two years. Like I said, it speaks for itself. I don't have to say I don't have to sit here and and, and talk about his achievements because you know they out there. He did it. You know, he's he done everything you can ask of him. You know, he led a team, you know, as a junior when people thought he wasn't a leader, like those guys, seniors, like those guys. You know, this player of the year, that player of the year, you know, Jerry West played, like, I mean, everything you, everything you asked for, he done it. Now, the icing on the cake is going to be tomorrow night, you know, when some team is smart enough to understand, you know, what, what they get in and, and a guy like Miles. Yep. I mean, you know, as Gus Johnson says, and I think a lot of people say this too, what Trenton makes, the world takes, baby. Mm -hmm. Um but, uh, you know, to wrap this up, um, you know, like I always kind of pose this question uh, to all of my guests. Uh, but uh, overall, though, uh, what do the Big East and Seton Hall uh, mean to you, you know, looking back, you know, on all these years? You know, both as a player and a coach, you know, like what have, what have been the most important lessons that, uh, you know, the conference and then, of course, you know, your alma mater, you know, playing there and coaching there, you know, have taught you? You know what? It's it, I said. This, I said this in my press conference on my St. Peter's. You know, I came as I came to St. Hall as a young boy and left as a man. You know, so you know I spent. She's what. From. From '96 to. What. 2018. I mean, geez. I mean, you it's more than half of your life, man. So I'm saying you do the math on that. You know, so. You know, it, 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 you know, it did great things for me. You know, I met, I met my wife there, um, you know, uh, playing career, you know, friends and colleagues and all type of experience and things I won't trade in for nothing. You know, people ask me all the time, do you wish you went to another school? Do you wish you went to Duke? I'm like, no, no, like this is like, this was my journey. Um, unbelievable journey as a player, as a coach. Um, the friends that I, I have met there, people I work with, you know, people I play with, just unbelievable experiences, unbelievable friendship that lasts forever. I still talk to a lot of people, you know, that I, I went to school with, um, teammates, classmates, you know, stuff like that. Uh, coaching, you know, there now, you know, guys over there right right now that I still talk to, that's, that's, that's coaches over there. Um, 
And of course, you know, like at St. Peter's, you know, you brought in, you know, John Morton and of course a guy you coach with at Seton Hall, Ryan Whalen. Exactly. You know, so it's, it's one big family, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's extended families. Um, just like I said, man, just a great, uh, very uh, grateful and appreciative of the opportunity that I've been given as a player and as a coach and just, just being part of something that's bigger than myself. That, you know, of course, I think that's about as good a note as I could possibly leave that on. Uh, coach Shaw, you know, it's been three years since I last talked, uh, nearly three years since I last talked to you. Um, but it was such a pleasure having you on, you know, talking about your entire life's journey, you know, to get to where you are now. I know you're doing great things at St. Peter's. I'm hoping they will start letting fans in because I've been dying to see you and your squad take the court. Um, you know, like I'm not like I'm not that all too far for Buffalo. Same with, you know, I can make a drive to Poughkeepsie, see Maris. But whenever I got to see some action and I'll, I'll make sure I got to see you and your boys, you know, you had a great year last year. I know you're going to keep doing great things at, uh, down in Jersey City, um, you know, uh, but I definitely got to make sure I got to see see you, Ryan, and your team at least once, you know. But hopefully it'll be this year with fans, you know. All right, but Tim, I appreciate that, man. And, you know, I, I appreciate you being, uh, you know, you was a big part of what we did at, at Seton Hall, man. You know, you was our number one fan. You was, you know, there every game faithfully, doing the, the good times, doing the bad times. Um, you know, you definitely brought the, the energy that we needed. You know, the, the crowd fed off you. You know, you was a, a major, major part of, you know, what, what we did at Seton Hall. So I want to thank you for that. Yeah, you know, I was really going to bring that, like, that was the last conversation that we had out in Wichita, you know, because um, we had started that GoFundMe. You know, we, if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have made it all the way out to Wichita. And um, I know, I think it was either you or uh, Kevin uh, hooked uh, one of my friends up with one of those tickets that we needed. Yep. And, you know, I'll forever be grateful for that and for literally – Honestly, looking back on that now, it's tough to between that and Biggie's tournament weekend at MSG sophomore year, where you guys won it all. That was by far the best weekend of my life. So, and a lot of that's indebted to you. So, you know, shop. Appreciate you, my man. Uh, hope you and the family stay safe during these troubled through Thank these you, tough man. times. Thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate. It. Thanks for having me on, man, and keep doing great things. So that does it for this episode of the Igloo. I'm going to have a quick turnaround. I'll have a new episode coming up on Friday, and it's going to be a special one. If you remember when Matt DeMarinas was on the show, he proposed a really good idea of having a Big East roundtable. And that idea is going to come to life on the next episode coming out. Like I said, on Friday, I'll have a delegate from all 11 Big E schools, and I'll be moderating. We're going to talk about the upcoming season, how each delegate thinks their school is going to pan out this year, how they think the season will pan out in terms of COVID and all that. And I'm going to try to squeeze in as much as possible because I will also mention Zoom has a time limit if you don't upgrade and you have more than three people on. So I'm going to try to make it as quick as possible while covering as much as possible. So be on the lookout for that on the next episode of the Igloo, the first annual and hopefully the first of several Big East roundtables. 
that's coming up on the very next episode of the Igloo coming out on Friday. So until then, this is Timmy Ice signing off from the Igloo. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to tune into Draft Night tonight, and I'll catch you next time.